0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Association NBA Podcast. It's like that was extremely loud, so I'm going to try and temper my uh, voice, but I cannot temper my excitement because I'm very excited to be back. My name is Sam Ruth here. Joining me, as always, to break down the NBA, my good friend, Tommy Wood. Tommy, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I would expect nothing less. It's a new year. Uh, it's the same league, and it's not the same stuff we're going to talk about because the league is ever-changing. But uh there's been a lot since our last episode, which was a breakdown of the Christmas Day games, a preview, if you will. We never got to the, the post script and that's okay. Um they were pretty good, if not spectacular. So uh they happened, we're past them, we're into the, the meat and potatoes, the middle third of the NBA season. And uh there have been some changes. Happened about a week ago now that uh Minnesota made a made a change up top. They fired uh Tom Thibodeau so he can now scream ice into the abyss. Uh, he's certainly not going to do it in the state of Minnesota anymore. Uh, and in his stead, they have hired Flip, the late Flip Saunders' 32-year-old son, Ryan Saunders, trying to do the Sean McVeigh thing, I guess. Uh, what do you think of the move and where the Timberwolves are at heading into the future? Man, I just I just like to imagine Tim's on, like, a beach in Tahiti somewhere, like, hold, holding
1: up uh, a mojito or a pina colada, just screaming, oh, ice. Oh, <laughs> you know he's uh it's, it it's it's been a, a weird couple of years for Tom Thibodeau uh probably a stressful few years but that's likely mostly of his own uh making um he seems like a person who carries a lot of stress with him uh most of the time but uh, I you know I w- I wonder if part of him might be uh a little relieved to be out of this mess but. There is no relief for the players of the Minnesota Timberwolves or the team's fans because I just, you know, even though I think Tips probably deserved to go just based upon the results and based upon his handling of the Jimmy Butler situation, everything, the team just botched everything about this from the optics of doing it after a blowout win. Uh, You know, just to, to keeping Scott Layden in, in power, uh, you know, it just, it's a really, really ugly scenario. And at the end of the day, you know, maybe Ryan Saunders is, is a phenomenal coach who's going to be able to get the best out of these players. You know, he's going to, maybe he'll be able to reach them in ways that Thibodeau couldn't, but I think it's most likely that, you know, this move ends up making you know, very, really, very little difference, and that you know we don't see meaningful improvement from from the Timberwolves this season or or next season, really, because the the fact of the matter is they they just don't have that talented of a roster, and they don't have the flexibility to, to get any better.
0: It is a bit of a band-aid on a bullet wound. Um, I mean. I see the rationale behind just saying, "All right, there's nothing else Tibbs is going to do positive for this organization besides further demoralize these players um, and piss off the owner, Glenn Taylor. So let's just ditch him." Um, The cynic in me wants to call the making the Saunders kid the coach like a some kind of PR stunt, but uh, that's again just like probably too cynical because they seem to like him after that first win. They all were happy for him and celebrating, and they're two and one right now, so at least. They're not 0 and three, and or like having a players only meeting about a coach who will get a contract extension in mere weeks, you know?
1: At least he's not making them run suicide.
0: Shots to the Bulls, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, this isn't the kind of roster you want to take into the future and think you can win a championship with. Uh, Wiggins, I mean. I'm I, I'm never going to be ready to write him off. He'll be 40, and I'll still be like, I don't know, he's got a lot of athleticism, <laughs> So there's something there, but I, your big three just can't include Derrick Rose in 2019. Uh, and mostly because he's a bad person, but also because he's just not a foundational NBA piece. Uh, he He's shown flashes this year. He's reinvented himself a little bit. But I don't think him being there is really helpful to Towns or Wiggins' long-term growth because it's not the kind of basketball they... Need to focus on playing if they want to truly turn this team into a contender, which it certainly isn't right now.
1: No, and you're right. Rose, we, we've talked a lot on this show about how good Rose has been this year, but you're completely right in that his talents do not amplify Carl Anthony Towns. You know, he, as well as he's been shooting the three this year, he's still a guy who dominates the ball. And, you know, a couple things that I, I watched, uh, the, Ryan Saunders' first game, uh, the win over Oklahoma City. Um and he he did a couple things in there that I really liked. Um, you know, obviously Robert Covington is hurt right now, so he wasn't in the lineup. Um, but Saunders played this one lineup of Tyus Jones. Uh, it was Tyus Jones, Josh Okogie, Anthony Tolliver, Dario Saric, and Carl Anthony Towns, and that they that group played really well together um and again part of this was out of necessity because jeff teague also got himself ejected from that game going after a tennis shooter oh, yeah um, but but anyway it, it looked really well it worked really well it had a ton of spacing and it defended well and and the theory of that lineup i mean to me that that is the kind of lineup that you want to put around carl anthony towns because he was the offensive focal point uh Saric was able to handle the ball in transition and run some four or five pick and roll with towns. And then everyone else out there just defended their asses off and shot spot up threes. And, and that, that looked really good. The problem is, uh, you know, the, 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 the Timberwolves have a max player in Andrew Wiggins who doesn't, who wasn't in that lineup and who doesn't fit really in a, in a theoretical lineup you'd want to construct around towns, and you know Wiggins he he made played maybe the best game of his career that night 40 points uh 10 rebounds and 18 free throw attempts um and, you know even even in the broadcast uh the, the uh the commentators were talking about you know maybe Wiggins is turning the corner maybe maybe that Ryan Thomas will finally get it out of him and 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 then no he he he, he didn't uh you know Wiggins and <laughs> just <laughs> in his in the two games after that is a combined uh fourteen of thirty eight from the field, and uh, he just he has five free throw attempts in the two games since. So it's just it it's more more maddening inconsistency and and you know talent talent is king in the NBA, and when you have when you are paying a max contract to a guy who is li- literally a zero, you know uh. Wiggins in that OKC game even though he dropped 40 and 10 he was still minus six in that game somehow um, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so that's, when you're paying that guy max money you know there's just there's only so much you can do to to build around that and 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 I, I just don't know you know I, I don't really see where the Timberwolves can go from here uh, you know because he's on their books for the the next five years. And, and no one's going to want to trade for that contract. I mean, that that's probably the worst contract in the league. Like, you know, say what you want about John Wall's deal, uh, but at least John Wall is good.
0: Uh, is he? <laughs> I, no, I think so. He's good. He, it's just, at this point, it's hard to keep him on the court. He's a poison in the locker room. It's a different conversation. John Wall's a whole other bag of worms. I would still take John Wall over Andrew Wiggins, so your point I, is valid. Um Yeah, man, it's kind of tough to see how you move moving forward with Wiggins and Towns is kind of like a, it's like the third iteration of Shaq and Kobe, but just gone horribly wrong. It's like Shaq and Kobe turned into like KD and Russ, which also ended up going wrong.
1: It, it's like Prime Shaq and 2016 Kobe.
0: Yes, it's post-Achilles Kobe, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way to think about it. Post Achilles Kobe, who like kind of tries and kind of just think about what kid he's going to give his sneakers after the game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Wiggins makes about as much money as Kobe was making in that last season. It's probably exactly the same as far as I could get. Um, I don't know, man. It, it, they're going to ride it out this season. I mean, it, in the games I've watched them play against the Celtics, um, Josh Akoji's been interesting. Uh, Covington and Sarich, like, they got two good pieces from the Sixers for Butler. Which is good, and like, you know, the value's not that far off from what they gave up to get Butler. Uh, considering the role Chris Dunn plays right now on the Bulls, which is not that great. Um, and Zach Levine still kind of having that in the same kind of area that Wiggins is, I guess. Maybe people are a little higher on him, but I bet part of that's just because he's not getting paid that much yet. So when you ultimately look at what came out, what went out and what came in? Like the things that okay, the things that happened because of the Butler trades aren't the reason this team's in a weird spot right now. You know, it's throwing a bunch yeah. of money at Wiggins and it's riding Fibs and letting him bring all the kinds of weird guys on. Uh,
1: yeah, the, the Gorgie Jang contract is another killer.
0: Yeah, dude's not even the best Jang anymore, <laughs> right? Was that the guy we were talking about? No, no, no. We were talking about Check Diallo. I take it back. Sorry, Check Diallo. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Wrong, wrong no, D no, last no, name I think <laughs> he might be
0: the only Jag in the NBA. I think he's the only Jag And he's still not the best one. No. Um, yeah. Um, one thing that's interesting about when the Celtics play the Timberwolves, Gordon Hayward always scores at least 30 points. So I, I know. If the league changes the rules and you only have to play the Timberwolves in the playoffs, the Celtics are winning the finals. <laughs> but, uh,
1: yeah, you start yeah. lobbying
0: them right now. <laughs> hey, I know this is a stretch, but listen. Bill Simmons is going to love this. Uh, no, uh, the most recent Timberwolves game, which was a win, uh, was against the Pelicans, who are kind of jostling for the same playoff seating as the Timberwolves right now, the lower end of the uh, Western Conference bracket. Um, the Pelicans have been talked about a lot recently because everybody thinks they should or they will or whatever trade Anthony Davis. Um it's probably not gonna happen until this offseason if it happens. Uh a lot of people think it's already over and done with in the media at least, but they need something to talk about because it's February. Um it's not even it's January. What do you think about where the Pelicans are at right now and what do you think about Davis leaving and whether that's a good thing and I don't know. Just just tell me about the Pelicans, Tommy. I
1: I think the Pelicans are a really interesting uh comparative case for the Timberwolves because you know, when I see the Pelicans I see I see Minnesota's future. Um, I see them having to, to, I see the Timberwolves having to deal with exactly what the Pelicans are are dealing with now. And it's just, it's frustrating to me because you have these amazing players like Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns, uh, whose teams just continually fail to put winning infrastructure around them. Um, and you know, I look at like, you look at Carl Anthony Towns. He, he signed his uh, five-year max extension coming into this year. Now, I, I don't want to say he made a mistake. I, 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 it's never a mistake when a player chooses to get as much money as they can, because life is random and arbitrary and brutal, and something could happen tomorrow that could end Carl Towns' career. And he'd still be guaranteed 150 million dollars, but by signing a full five-year max with Minnesota and not not getting a player option on the end of that, or not signing a three-year max, he he's basically locked himself into the position that Anthony Davis is in now, where he'll be getting into his mid to late twenties by the end of the deal, and Minnesota will be have gone absolutely nowhere, um, because we've seen that you know these superstar big men, as great as they are, they're still dependent talent. They're still dependent on guards to get them the ball and wings to to defend on the perimeter and as, as great as Anthony Davis has been he, he hasn't been enough to get the Pelicans over the hump single-handedly and I don't think Carl Towns will be able to do the same for Minnesota so in five years or for three or four years he's going to be in this exact same spot where he's going to be playing for a nowhere team that has done nothing and he's going to want out and it's just going to be a, a messy and dramatic process. Uh, you know, much, much like this Anthony Davis situation is, is right now. And it's probably going to resolve with Carl Towns being traded to some team X, Y, X, Y, or Z. But it, it's almost like we're seeing Minnesota's future play out with what is happening in, in New Orleans right now. And it just, it, it, it frustrates the hell out of me because it's, it's avoidable. If these teams, if they had a little more patience, if they were, if, if they didn't get this superstar inside, they had to end right away like, like New Orleans did when it, when it acquired, uh, you know, Ryan Anderson, when it made the trade for Drew Holiday. Um, you know, they traded a draft pick that could have been, they, they could have taken Giannis that pick, And Drew Holiday has been great for, for New Orleans, but, it, it, it hasn't been enough and Minnesota is making, has made similar moves, you know, signing, uh, signing Taj Gibson, uh, signing Jeff Teague. They've been, they've been making these win now moves that have been handicapping them going, going into the future. And it's only going to end with, with one way, with the superstar getting frustrated and the superstar leaving and there's, you know, it, it's it's going to turn into... I'm sure Minnesota will do what New Orleans has has done and sources of New Orleans have done and is, is start to cry about it being a small market issue. But this issue is not about market size. It is about incompetence from the top down as these teams fail to build around players that they frankly don't even deserve to have in the first place.
0: A seething... Speech. I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound bad by calling it like a diatribe or something, but because uh, it was great. Um, but truly, seething. Uh, you are enraged at the small market teams. What do you want it to be? Los Angeles versus New York every year, Tommy? Jeez. Uh, don't you know these guys are losing money? No, I'm just kidding. Of course they're not. Um, yeah, it's it's. They've definitely gone about it wrong. Getting these guys, they realize are really good, and then making a bunch of boneheaded moves. Uh, two teams that I think. Have been in similar situations, but haven't handled it that way. Uh, Milwaukee, definitely, you know. Yeah. And part of it is like they didn't realize what they had with Giannis and they were just trying to build a team and then he blossomed and they already had some decent pieces. Um, and they were able to move off Greg Monroe. But, uh, OKC too. Um, I mean, they've been able to pivot really well the last couple of years, but if you think before then, what they were able to do, uh, in, building up. I mean, the Harden trade, they, they end up getting Steven Adams out of it, so it's okay. But getting guys around KD and Russ and Baca and not doing anything too drastic. Um, I don't know. There's just ways to do it better. You're right. And what Minnesota and New Orleans have done is just dumb. And I think more than it, being a small market is just incompetence. But you're right that the small market thing can become a crutch they can use when they're like, why is this guy leaving? He doesn't want to play in New Orleans. It's like, i Cause I don't think he wants to play next to Solomon Hill for 30 minutes a night. Like, I don't think it has anything to do with he, yeah. King Baby Cake. Like, I think he's fine with <laughs> the French quarter. I think he's sick of staring at Jalil Okafor as his 10th man. Like,
1: yeah. Like, I think New Orleans is a place a lot of NBA players would have a great time living. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it just, it starts with ownership. And New Orleans is owned by the family that owns the New Orleans Saints. And they're such cheapskates that they run both teams with the same group of people. The president of basketball operations for the Pelicans is Mickey Loomis, the Saints general manager. They have the same medical staff, um, who, you know, we, we've talked about them on here before and, and there are many, uh, mishaps in in New Orleans. You know, the, the Pelicans still employ a doctor who was fired by the Saints for misdiagnosing a Saints player's broken leg. Um, so you have you have that issue. You have Glenn Taylor in in Minnesota who is hired now uh, after Tom Thibodeau. He has tried to coach GM melding three different times with Kevin McHale, Flip Saunders, and Tom Thibodeau. Uh, He's kind of a a notorious meddler. Um, You know, and and I think in the end, it's just kind of the natural consequence of a talent infusion system, the draft, that rewards losing. And, that not only rewards losing, but incentivizes it. And in so many cases, the people who are trying to rebuild a team from the bottom are the same people who caused it to bottom out in the first place. Like like Del Demps in New Orleans is is still there for, for some reason. Um, even though he presided over uh, you know, the Pelicans being in, in bad enough position to get Anthony Davis, and then has now um, you know, put this, this mismatch of talent around him. I think they've traded now six out of their last eight first round picks. Um and that's not even counting, uh, Buddy Heald, who they traded halfway through his rookie season for, um Boogie Cousins. Which, that was actually a worthwhile risk. Uh, that just, you know, didn't work out because because Boogie got hurt. But, um you know, like the, the, the point stands. Like these teams are just, Not well run, and it's it's really not it's really not about market size. I mean, like Milwaukee is is tiny. It's by NBA standards, it's not a place I I think many NBA players would traditionally want to go. But they have Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he'll be a draw. You know, Boston was never a free agent destination until they signed Al Horford and Gordon Hayward. Denver is a small market. It has never been a free agent destination. Until they signed Paul Millsap, and the commonality between all of those teams is they have young stars and they're competently run. And, and you know, to to me, so it it, it it frustrates me. A when when these teams screw themselves over, and then and then B when they when they blame it on 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 factors out of their control. It seems like it seems like it's just deflecting from what the real problem is.
0: At the end of the day, I mean, that's absolutely, it, it, it's a complaint. We're in a small market. It's not fair. Nobody wants to be here. That's existed as long as the NBA has. And if if, if that was really true, then those teams wouldn't exist anymore because then it would have actually happened and nobody would have signed there. Whoever got drafted would refuse to play. Like, I mean, it just doesn't, it's not the case. And, I mean, the teams that bring in more at the gate, being in bigger cities, End up sharing it with the rest of the league like they they share revenue so that's out of the out of the way too they they're on as equal of a playing field as you can get um and you bring up excellent examples of teams that aren't necessarily in places you would consider to be big markets but have top tier talent uh and you look at the nuggets not only by signing Millsap, but just by performing exceptionally in the draft uh, and making prudent trades putting together the roster at the top of the Western Conference, above Los Angeles, above Houston, above anywhere else you want to call, you know, a big market. Um, and same in the Eastern Conference right now, where you look at the top three teams are Toronto, Milwaukee, and Indiana. Uh, yeah. Now, Toronto is a metropolitan area in Canada, but it's also extremely cold, and players don't necessarily like that. So. And, and it's in Canada. You it, know, you have yeah.
1: to pay, like, they have to pay, I know players have, have to pay more taxes uh, on, on their salaries when they play for Toronto. So that's always been a negative factor, but they got good. They got and
0: they good. they
1: sustained good. And they've sustained being good.
0: Yeah. Um, and, you know, you bring up the draft rewarding teams being bad. Uh, it is frustrating. Um, the, the second you thought that, like, I, it was just part of your larger point, but I immediately was like, well, what are you going to do instead? What's a better way? And, like, it's a, it's a possible answer to the question. And even, question to answer and even if you don't have an answer for like an alternative it doesn't make it any less true that the draft rewards uh being bad and that's bad for the league um when teams have incentive to suck and put a worse product on the floor it not only harms them and their fan base but it harms the fan bases of teams who uh are playing them it's like oh i don't want to watch the fucking suns tonight um <laughs> except they are kind of have enough talent now where it's worth seeing eight and put up like 30 rebounds. Baby DeAndre Jordan, dude, he's just getting his reps and wait till they start hacking him. Can't hit a free throw to save his life. Although I'm sure he probably, I don't know what his free throw rate is right now. I'm just assuming make can become DeAndre Jordan.
1: Yeah. I don't
0: know.
1: One, one other thing that I always find funny is like when, when you have a quote unquote small market team, um, that, that talks about how it doesn't want to pay the luxury tax because it's in a small market or, um, you know, I think I think you see this in in baseball more so than in, in basketball. Um, baseball even has ostensibly even more of a free market system, but it's like a billion billionaires are billionaires regardless of, of of what market you live in, and that luxury tax money is only coming out of their pocket. It, it is like it, it's just a really convenient crutch to hide behind when you know we're in a small market. I can't pay the luxury tax, and what you're really saying is. I, I don't want to pay the luxury tax because that's my money. You know, and i it, again, it just, it gets back to, to ownership. And I think, I think the most effective owners in sports are the ones who keep their mouths shut and their wallets open and let the people who know what they're doing actually, you know, run the, the sports side of things. But, you know, like in the case of, you know, Glenn Taylor to get back, getting back to Minnesota, that's, that has not been the case. Um, Tom Benson, or I guess the now Gail Benson, Benson his yeah. his wife uh, in New Orleans. That that has not been the case. Um, you know, uh, t- talking about you know some of the positive examples we've mentioned. Is, you know, Denver Stan Kroenke has been incredibly hands off with with the Nuggets because they're one of a massive portfolio of sports teams that he and honestly, that's probably been for the better uh for the nuggets um, you know Bruce Beck in in Boston has been um, you know I think I think pretty hands off as well he hired Danny Ainge 15 16 years ago and has just let him work his magic and and Peter Holt in in San Antonio which is also a small market by the way and he has won five championships in the last two decades uh Peter Holt hired Craig Popovich and RC
0: Buford and then
1: He got out of the way.
0: It seems there is just a disconnect between a lot of sports owners between what they have signed up for, what they own, what they're supposed to get out of it. The ones that we speak of highly right now, the grouse and the Holtz, want their teams to win championships and want to put them in that position by hiring smart people and trusting them. And then there's others uh, like benson glenn taylor otherwise um well glenn taylor medals. he's a completely different category altogether but a lot of other ones the luxury tax argument you're making they're truly looking at it in a, as a business in a way that you just can't with a sports team because it, it's a classic you need to spend money to make money if you want to make money off your team your team needs to be good to have a good team you have to get good players and good coaches and they cost money but they also bring in a lot of money um, and I think a lot of owners just never quite, that never quite clicks and they end up like the Clippers with, with what's his racist asshole? Uh, what was his yeah. name?
1: Yeah. I, I can't, I can't, I can't even remember his name. Uh, that's, that's, uh, Sterling, Donald
0: Sterling. Yeah. For yeah. just decades, he's like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get, get good guys in the draft if I get lucky and then we'll just cut them loose when it's time to re-up. For decades. Uh, yeah. and there's smaller versions of that across this league and across sports period. Uh, you know, you look at the fire sale in Miami in baseball. They oh got rid God. of... The get, not only did they get rid of Stanton, uh, they got rid of the eventual NL MVP, Kristen Yelich, for yeah. pennies on the dollar because they moved in and they wanted to cut costs. And it's like, why don't you keep costs where they are, but surround them with good pieces and you can win the World Series. and makes money. But anyway, I digress. We've spent about a half hour just berating the, the, the wealthy. Um, <laughs> it's something about getting paid an hourly wage, I guess. It just seeps into your yeah. brain and core beliefs, and that's okay. But um, I I do want to ask you, the last couple of weeks, James Harden has made his push to win a second MVP trophy. Houston has made a push back into the playoff picture, currently six games above 500, sitting in the sixth seed as of this evening. Um, how legit do you feel like this is, just off the basis of Harden playing at a 40-point-a-night level? Do you think they're a contender in the West again? Uh,
1: I, I don't. And it's precisely because it's taken a Herculean effort from Harden just to get them, you know, into sixth in the West. And yes, Chris Paul has been out, but Chris Paul, Chris Paul was not effective, uh, when he was healthy. And now, uh, Clint Capella is going to miss, uh, four to six weeks at least. Yeah. Uh, so that, that doesn't make me feel any better about that. I mean, they have, uh, you know, Nene is really their only other center on the roster who's played any, any type of minutes. They've got uh Isaiah Hartenstein. Down to a he's uh he's a rookie. Um, who I, I actually kinda like. Uh, he's I think he's a good rebounder. He has flashed potential to three point shot. But he he's not ready to play at the levels the Rockets want to go to. And you know, I, you know, they have found some, some good contributions elsewhere on the roster. Daniel House has been good.
0: Daniel House has been um, very good.
1: Austin Rivers has been really good for them. Uh-huh. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, neither of those guys are as good as the Rockets role players were last year. And if it's taken just James Harden playing basketball, offensive basketball at a level maybe higher than I've ever seen in my lifetime, you know, just for them to get into the middle of the pack of the West, that, that really doesn't instill any confidence for, for their prospects of making a deep playoff
0: run. Yeah, no, they're pretty screwed with the Capella thing. Um, and yeah. I, I had seen that before we started potting, and, and uh, I guess I hadn't really digested it, because that's huge. Nene's 37. Uh Isaiah Hartenstein has barely played this season. Zushi has one minute in one game. And
1: they, uh, they cut him.
0: Uh, oh, I didn't even know sign that. To House for the rest of the season. Sorry. So he's not even, he's okay. not even, uh, available. You're fact checking me left and right. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. House, I mean, it isn't quite big enough. You could try to put Marcus Chris there, but they've already, is he still on the roster? Did I miss that one too?
1: I, I, don't, know, he hasn't, he hasn't, <laughs> I don't know. He might as well not be but he's going to have to play now. I mean, maybe they'll go more to, to Tucker at center, but Tucker is already playing he's in six, insane seven. amount of minutes. And he's probably like, it stretched in already and, and playing him at the five in the regular season will only wear him out more. Uh And then like Capella is just so, he's so damn good. And he's so integral to what they do. I mean, like even if they can, you know, get another center on the buyout market, um, yeah, maybe, maybe Robin Lopez, even though the Bulls have, uh, I read today the Bulls have said they're not gonna buy him out, uh, at his 14.4 yeah. million. What the fuck is that? Of course, of course the Bulls wouldn't do that. Um maybe, I mean, Rockets would be an awesome destination for Dwayne Dedman if he gets bought out, uh, or made available for a trade, uh, by Atlanta, but, yeah, I mean, Capella, I think mean, defensively, as, like as a switch guy, he gets slipped a little bit to me this year, but, what was so important about Capella is he was playing, I think 34 minutes per game last year, which was about six or seven minutes more than he'd ever played in his career. Uh, his conditioning had been an issue like all, all up until this season. And and now he was really able to, to sustain a, a heavy minutes load and was able to still, you know, maintain his offensive efficiency and and just be a devastating pick and roll uh Threat and rim protector, and and that's gone now. And so I, yeah, I, I, I'm still worried about the Rockets. I mean, I, I think they'll still make the playoffs, um, but I don't know, man. It's do they even get out of round one at this point? I mean, unless Harden is just destroying people for four out of seven games,
0: I don't think they do. If Paul comes back and Quinn Capella is ready for the playoffs, they could push it to seven. Uh, yeah, so, you know what? Maybe they could. I don't know. I mean, if, if you get Capella back and you're not the eight seed, you know, if you're just not playing yeah. Golden State.
1: Yeah. I, I actually think getting the eight seed is, uh, maybe their best hope.
0: If at it's least still if Denver. If
1: Denver stays in, in first place in the West, um, Rockets have been a really really tough matchup for Denver. For whatever reason Denver has played all the other top teams in the West uh really well. I mean Denver has played Golden State really well, OKC, um, you know, De- Denver can handle all of those other teams except for Houston for whatever reason. They just cannot uh they just cannot get over Houston. So, I think a, that would be actually a really uh Promising 8-1 matchup if the Rockets end up falling that far. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's, that's assuming a lot a few months
0: ahead at this point, but, yeah, it's, it's just all looking good for them, man. Alright, what if I told you there's a player the Rockets could get who's 6'8, 240, listed as a power forward, and has the ability to stretch the floor? Think they could use somebody like that? I think they could. His name's Carmelo Anthony. He's on the roster.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, come on. Yeah. 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 Oh my God! He's still on the roster. He's,
0: That's, yeah. He's yeah. also out bass fishing. I saw him a picture of him with a giant fish uh, a couple days ago. So he's not playing basketball. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Man, I That's still crazy. I, I will never that understand was, how they knew that quickly. They're like, no, fuck this, he's gone, fuck him." Yeah,
1: you know that gets back to ownership too, though. I mean, um, Tilman Fertitta, the Rockets' new owner, apparently, I, I I read when he bought the team that he paid a, a large, a substantial per, uh, uh portion of his personal fortune to, to buy the team, and since I, I mean, it's kind of shown since then the Rockets have have. Made a lot of cost cutting moves like letting Trevor Ariza walk and like letting Mello flounder on the roster while he's off bass fishing instead of cutting him (laughs) and then signing someone else to his roster spot because that would mean that you know Tillman Fertitta would have to pay one more person's salary and the luxury tax on top
0: of that. (laughs) God. Who knows? Maybe they'll make a nice uh... Oh, here we go. They'll trade Mello to Memphis for Chandler Parsons. Uh, Mello (laughs) finally gets to Memphis who almost had the chance to draft him Uh, except Detroit got the pick and took Darko and Chandler Parsons gets to go back to Houston. Yeah. Except the the salaries don't work at all because Mello's basically making the bet minimum. Um, But a boy can dream, right? Man, yeah, that that would that would just warm Daryl Morey's heart to get him back there.
1: Yeah, good, good old, good old Chandler. Um,
0: Daniel House, though, I I think he has been a bright spot for them. He's been playing some great minutes, and he deserves to have that spot for the rest of the year. Um Even when they get Gordon, Paul, and I mean, I don't think Brandon Knight's a danger to take Daniel House's minutes anyway. But he'll stay in the rotation the rest of the year for sure. Yeah, I mean,
1: Brandon Knight playing. I mean, I wasn't sure if he if he would play at all, but them getting at least like minutes, you know, Brandon Knight's ability to just like eat innings, for lack of a better term, has actually been been more important to them than, it, than it should be. Yeah, um, you know, he's only averaging three points per game. Uh, he's shooting fifteen percent from three. Uh, at this point,
0: <laughs> oh my god.
1: It, it, his, his true shooting is thirty four percent. Good God! But uh at this point, the Rockets, the Rockets just need it. Uh And yeah, you mentioned Marquis Chris. He's played eighty minutes all season. Um, he might have to play play more now. But yeah, it's, it's it's bleak, man. And you know, I think one part that hasn't has kind of flown under the radar too is that. James Ennis has, has been, I think, I would say, he's been disappointing from I think what the Rockets expected out of him. Um, I think A lot of people just expected Ennis to to fill Trevor Ariza's shoes uh, without a hitch. But um, you know, defensively, he, he's been he's been fine. Um, he's only taking three threes a game, uh, which is about half what what Ariza would would take per game uh, last year. And that's just that's just not enough and he doesn't have that same ability ability to to pump and drive and, and make a, you know, make a play off the bounce either. Um, there, there's just I d I don't know, man. There's you look up and down this roster, there's just not a lot to like, except for you know, James Harden just just falling into the next universe.
0: Well, the good news is when they got rid of Melo, they eventually figured out and got better. Now they got rid of Michael Carter Williams, so really we're just—it's a small come down for a big come up because MCW is off the roster. Oh
1: my God! Yeah, back in
0: Chicago too. Actually, he's already been waived, so. Already been <laughs> Yeah, that's not a joke. Yeah, he's not in Chicago. <laughs> Chicago was a layover to go back to upstate New York, where he can practice with Jim Beheim. <laughs> I, I'm kidding, but maybe I'm not. Maybe he actually... Yeah, you
1: know. he can tell all the Syracuse players how how useful playing his own defense was when he got to the NBA.
0: Look, all you got to do is get drafted by one of the worst teams in history, and you'll just score triple doubles for a year. That's all you got to do. <laughs> you know, worked out great, didn't it, Michael? All right, well, there's a couple quick things I want to hit. First of all, um, I just wanted to shed some light on the Patrick McCaw situation. Um, because it's hilarious. Um, I knew he signed with Cleveland, but actually the first time I realized there was some chicanery allegedly going on was, um, my friend Connor texted me an article that was like, Cleveland signed Patrick McCott to screw over at Golden State and everybody was saying exactly what they did, um, because they signed him and then waived him. Uh, he's since signed with Toronto. Uh, today Cleveland was cleared of charges. There was, uh, you can actually explain it better than I can because you told me this. Um, but, but, Everyone was being looked into for this, right?
1: Yeah. Um, basically, they were the NBA was investigating whether Patrick McCaw and the Cavaliers colluded to get McCaw out of his restricted free agency. So you know, he he was a restricted free agent after last season. Uh, he received a qualifying offer from Golden State that he didn't sign. And then he received no offers in restricted free agency, so he was just holding out at, at this point. Um, and the Cavs were the first team to make an offer on him. Uh, they it was a two-year, six million dollar deal, which would have been about I, I think I think it was about thirteen million in uh, money, counting the luxury tax, if Golden State had matched it. So they obviously didn't do that. They let McCaw sign with Cleveland. Uh, but then Cleveland cut him after only three games right before the, the deadline when his contract would become fully guaranteed for the season. And so by doing that, Cleveland only had to pay him, uh, I think, less than half a million dollars. And then Patrick McCaw became an unrestricted free agent, free to sign wherever he chose, which ended up being being Toronto. So uh, what the NBA was... what. Golden State filed a complaint about and what the NBA was investigating was, did McCaw have an under-the-table agreement with Cleveland where McCaw got to get out of this limbo that he was in and sign wherever he wanted and Cleveland got to screw over the team that had owned them in the last two finals. And had Cleveland, I guess had the NBA found evidence of collusion, uh, Cleveland <laughs> could have forfeited their first round pick, which would have just been hilarious because they're they have the worst uh record in the league and they're almost certainly gonna have a top four pick. And if they had lost out on the chance of getting a guy like Zion Williamson or R. J. Barrett, uh, because they were petty and just wanted to to screw over Golden State by uh I guess signing and, and then taking away their, you know, potential tenth man.
0: Uh, that would have just been too good. It's, it's pretty involved. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of pumped for Patrick McCaw to finally just be on a roster, even though it was dumb of him, as we talked about in previous episodes, to not just sign the qualifying offer and stay on one of the greatest teams in league history. Uh, but at least he gets to practice his profession and get paid for it once more. Um, and just also hilarious that Cleveland Literally has nothing better to do right now than this kind of bullshit because they are on pace for one of the worst records in league history.
1: Yeah, they uh they recently
0: snapped their twelve game losing streak, which I was a little Whew.
1: little disappointed. Um, because if you look if you look at their schedule, um, I think they they had a really that uh, their schedule through through the end of the uh you know January and and into February was was really tough and. There is a distinct chance they could have broken their own record uh, and lost <laughs> 27 job. games in a row. <laughs> that, alas, did not happen.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean, there's always next time. Um, and there's always next topic. That's me changing over <laughs> to the next topic. I want to ask you a couple more things before this podcast episode is over. And one of them is we're just about at one year of the Blake Griffin trade. Um, That's been spotlighted because they recently, uh, Detroit recently played in Los Angeles. Blake had a great game. Um, so I wanted to ask you, in light of what's happened over the last year for both teams, um, who do you think got the better end of this deal? Or do you think this is a good scenario, good outcome for both sides? I, I think it's
1: pretty close to a win win, um, because Detroit, Gets relevance that they would not otherwise have had without Blake Griffin on the roster. Um, and in in LA's case, they get out of this. They found the probably the one team that was willing to take on the pretty risky contract uh, to which they signed Griffin. I mean, I, I I still wouldn't want to be paying Blake Blake Griffin that deal in in years, you know years three and four of that deal. But for right now he is phenomenal and and his skill development over, over the past few years as a ball handler, as a shooter and really as a three point shooter off the dribble has just been amazing. Um, and you know, it's kind of a shame really that, that Detroit has such a, a, ill fitting roster around him. Um, you know, between Andre Jackson, or not, not Andre Jackson, Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson, um, and just the, the total lack of spaces, uh that they have. But, you know, you look at LA, uh, Tobias Harris has been phenomenal. Avery Bradley has been a non-factor. Um,
0: well done. And I think, you
1: know, I think a lot of kind of how this trade ends up looking will depend on, on what happens with Tobias Harris in his free agency this summer. Uh, do the Clippers retain him? And if they do, at, at what price? You know, uh, they're, you know, they're looking to, they're gonna have max space. They're looking to sign ostensibly, you know, better players than, than Tobias Harris. Um, and I mean, in that regard, uh, the Griffin trade is, is, a win for them too, because they, they wouldn't have had that space to drift on the books. Um but, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of it kind of, kind of swings on, uh, on Harris. And do they get him back? Do they get him back at the right price? Um, do they try to, do they trade him and try to keep growing that asset tree? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think right now it's, it's, it's at a pretty good equilibrium right now. Uh, what do you think? Who, who won this trade?
0: For me, I, I think it's probably the Clippers because Harris is playing, he's he's at his his peak right now for what his career has been so far. They were able to get rid of, like you mentioned, very expensive Blake with a very risky injury history, get back guys who can fit in and play well. You know, even though Tobias Harris is not nearly the talent that Blake is, you can still put him in the middle of things the way you put a player of Blake's caliber in the middle of things. Surround him with guys, and he's going to be comfortable as he's the main option. A lot of times he's on the court with Los Angeles, but unlike Blake, who always kind of wanted to maintain that focus, Harris knows how to play second fiddle too. And I think that works well when they hand the reins over to Lou Williams for a little while, or, you know, Harris and Gallinari can go back and forth in a way that I doubt Blake and Gallinari ever could. Uh, and it's also probably been helpful for Jay Gilders, Alexander, um, which I believe they took him with the pick they got from Detroit. Uh, and he's been one of the best rookies of the year this year. So, in the league this year.
1: Yeah, I, I totally forgot about uh, Shea. He's been phenomenal. Um,
0: so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Avery Bradley piece, as you mentioned, non-factor essentially, disappointing for what he was earlier in his career and what you'd hope he would be uh, back under Doc. Uh, but besides that, I mean, Boban, I mean, you talk about how Detroit took on Blake to get the, the crowd into it. Boban gets the Clippers crowd into it. I mean, without uh, question, uh, you know, they freaking love that guy. So, yeah. uh, they, I, I think it's the Clippers. Um, and I think Detroit is just in a weird spot. I don't like watching them play. Uh, I try to watch them play when Blake has a good game. I get uncomfortable. I'm not going to go and do it too much because I've, I've done the Reggie Jackson thing a million times. But Drummond, I hate watching too. He's just, yeah. ugh, he, he doesn't get it.
1: Yeah, it's it's not good. And, and he he's made some marginal improvements, but he's never gotten to where he should be as as a defender. And and offensively, it's just it, it, you know it, other than than the the you know the ability to roll to the rim and, and crush lobs, it just it, it hasn't been there. I mean, you know, last last year people made a big deal about how he was starting to facilitate from the elbows a little bit, and that's all well and good. But then then they traded for Blake Griffin and made that. You know, completely unnecessary because Blake is a far better playmaker than than Drummond. Um, and the, there's just, yeah, the fit just isn't there. I mean, I would love to see Blake, uh you know, playing next to a center like like Brook Lopez. Uh, You know, some guy who can just step out and, and bomb threes and you know, run a, a four five pick and pop with with Blake, and then just space it out so Blake can can rumble to the rim and. You know, make plays off the bounce like he's become so good at. Um, but you know, the the Pistons just don't really have the shooting at any position to to maximize what Blake Griffin can do. I mean, Reggie Bullock, uh, really, they're only, you know, really. I mean, I guess you know, Lex and is in the rotation too. But you know, Bullock is really the only like trustworthy high volume shooter they have.
0: Oh Jesus, dude! I was watching them the other day. And Luke Kennard, good God, do I hate him? Oh, man. He, oh. What did he ever do to you? He just looks like he would hand me a, a, a natural ice in the basement of a fraternity at two in the morning. Oh, good God. He, he's just like really. The, the, the minutes I saw him play were very rough. And, there were a couple times he had decent like passes ahead for easy buckets. There was one in particular I was like that was a good pass, and the ball kept ending up in his hands. Like it would take a weird carry off the rim, and he'd get a defensive rebound and bring it up and like. But he he like had some real difficulty setting his pivot foot in the paint at one point, and like just oh boy, it, it's his second year in the league, but it looks like it's his second year ever playing basketball sometimes. Um.
1: Yeah, and that's rough, especially considering he was drafted one pick ahead of Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> oh my uh,
0: goodness, I forgot about that. Yeah,
1: and I mean, so like Blake right now is averaging 5.3 assists per game. Um, But then you, you just look at at the guys he's playing with. Yeah, you know, Reggie Bullock is shooting 40% from three on six and a half attempts per game. He's, I like he's Bullock, been, man. He's been doing what he needs to do. Yeah. Re- Reggie Jackson, 34% on six attempts. Itch Smith, 33% on three-and-a-half attempts. Langston Galloway, 35% on five attempts. Stanley Johnson, 27% 27. on four
0: attempts. Uh,
1: Kennard, 35% on three attempts. Glenn Robinson, 27%. Jose Coleson, 21%. Now imagine how imagine how many assists per game Blake Griffin would be averaging if he was passing the ball to, to guys who could actually hit shots.
0: That's it's a bummer to think about. It's a, it's a <laughs> A great thought experiment if you want to get bummed out. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, I think the Clippers won the trade, even though Detroit got what they were looking for. I just think in terms of, of like this, uh, what roster, you know? Did I say Detroit? The Clippers won the trade. The B yeah, F. No, I said that. The Clippers won the yeah. trade. Um, but it was a it was a good trade for both sides. They got what they wanted out of it. What was the one? I have one last thing I want to go to, and then I and then. I'll, I'll give it to you if there's any last things uh, you have. Oh, I just wanted to note that Kirk Goldsberry's been doing all kinds of great things lately, and I, I love it every time I see him put up a new chart, who's leading the NBA, from what zone, you know how James Harden's been scoring this year and throughout his career. Uh, he was gone for a little while because I believe he worked for the Spurs, but his stuff was one of the highlights of Brantland for me. And I know you were a huge fan too and even tried to emulate some of his stuff when we were writing at the CU Independent. So I wanted to shout that out. And if anybody who's listening doesn't know who he is, Google him, Kirk Goldsberry, because he's the man.
1: Yeah, he's, he's awesome. I'm glad he's back here and work for ESPN. Um, his charts pop up on my Insta uh, pretty pretty frequently and they're, just, they're always like a joy to watch to see because they're just so, they're so informative, but at the same time, they're, they're, they're designed so well, so cleanly, uh, really, really good aesthetics, just all around. It's, it's just a, a master class in how to, uh, you know, efficiently impart a lot of information in a way that's easy to digest and that also looks good. Um, by the way, I, I want to bum you out, bum you out just a little bit more. Um, you know who the, uh, seventh Highest paid player on the
0: Detroit Pistons is this year? Seventh. Um, oh, Jesus. Yes. Is it, is it, uh, Josh Smith? <laughs> yes, it
1: is. <laughs> 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 Jesus. <laughs> oh,
0: when those things happen in the moment, you just, you know, you forget how long they go for. When the stretch provision gets used. <laughs> yeah. Stan Van Gundy, the gift that keeps... It. And the thing is, when Stan came in and did that, it was like, good for Stan. Clear, clear <laughs> yeah. out the books. It's a new it's a new era. It's like, well, Stan's gone, but Josh is a good fit.
1: Yeah. Oh. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I guess what else are you going to do? Like, just let him sit on your roster at 20-something million a year for, yeah. for what he's doing, but... Oh my Not god! Not getting yeah. traded. That like it, it's just insane, and I and he has um looking up. Yeah, one more year of getting paid five point three million by the Detroit Pistons to just do whatever he's doing.
0: God bless him, dude. I, I'm sure he's happy. I'm sure he loves getting those checks. <laughs> yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. I was like, does that happen? Like, do do those get paid out in in installments, or does he just get a $5.3 million check once a year from the Detroit Pistons?
0: That's a good question. I, I would love to know the answer. I doubt that we can get in touch with Josh and find out, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yo, yo, Jake Smooth.
0: Because I just, (laughs) I just Googled it, and as of October, he was working out, quote, daily, in hopes of (laughs) making it back to the NBA. (laughs) <laughs> Nothing yet, but I hear the Rockets could use a big man, Josh. So, uh, keep an eye out for that.
1: Yeah, never. Um, <laughs> hey, he was, he was great the last time he played for them. He won them a playoff series. Totally.
0: He did. That was freaking nuts. Um, alright. Any, anything else you want to, you want to hit real quick? We're coming up on All-Star season. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some chats about that soon, but we're, we still got to, uh, let the voting continue and, and such. I'm not, I'm not ready to talk about All-Stars yet, but. JJ Reddick's yeah. name's gonna come up. Yeah, right I'm, I'm
1: not either. I, I, I will. We can go into this in more detail on, on a future date, but they gotta take away the fan vote, man. Oh wow! It's, it's shit, just getting it's hot take.
0: Up. I disagree. You don't like but, the Luca thing? Okay. <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh. laughs> we actually disagree. We it's one of the first times we've ever disagreed on this podcast. Yeah, I think the fan vote is just. uh it, 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 why would you have an all-star game if you can't let the fans for who they want to see it I,
1: I, my, my argument would be that like it actually matters when you're like when guys are being evaluated for contracts. Hall of Fame or you know for career accolades even, like that
0: even and contracts matter even getting the Supermax you have to make an all-star or all-NBA or yeah, whatever
1: right? yeah it, it can determine how much money a guy makes and when you have you know every Team subreddits conspiring to get their two-way guys in, or when you have all of Georgia, uh, the country, Zaza. you know, not the state, voting in Zaza Pachulia. It's like I don't know. For, for me, I was listening to uh, I, I think it was Zach Lowe who was do, who was doing a podcast about uh, the Hall of Fame uh, back when the most recent class was inducted, and he was talking about players with borderline cases, and it came up. Andre Iguodala came up, and he was talking about how uh, Iguodala has done a lot that would merit getting in the Hall of Fame. But then he said it's hard to get someone in with only one All Star appearance. And that just got me thinking. Like, you know, say Dwayne Wade makes it this year. You know, like the way Michael Jordan made it in his last year, or Kobe made it in you know the years way past his prime. I, I, I don't know. It, pro- it probably won't end up mattering that much, but the person who gets Snubbed because a bunch of Miami fans voted in Dwayne Wade. You know, could end up missing out on on a lot of money or, or something else because of that. I guess that I guess
0: that's my my take. I on, on I hear you. Uh, it's unfortunate that things like that happen. Um, somebody like Iggy deserves to have made an All Star game more than once. Somebody like Mike Conley deserves to have ever made an All Star game. Yeah. Uh, and th- they those will be glaring spots on their resumes when all is said and done. Um. I think even if there were no fan vote, it's still possible that they could have been overlooked. Uh, I think Conley has been, unfortunately, just been in a loaded Western Conference his entire career and never been better than the third best guard. Um, and, you know, yeah, I guess the fans can screw things up with uh, some of those back spots. But by and large, the guys who are the most popular are most popular for a reason because they're also the best players in the game. Um, and somebody like Luca, you know, I... I I think he's deserving all-star even if he's not a deserving starter. Um
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. He uh he's definitely earned it.
0: But but again, it's a we'll, we'll we'll talk about how we think the rosters are shaping up uh probably our next episode. I think the voting ends a week from today. So uh we'll we'll probably be able to take a look at at least where the fan vote ended up and and uh thinker about the back spots on the roster. Um <laughs> Any uh any final notes, any any parting shots? No man,
1: I've i taken a lot of shots today. <laughs> <You> have, <laughs> I think I'll probably save some ammo for next time.
0: I think uh <laughs> I think your your veiled attempts to take down late stage capitalism may may have gone unnoticed by the FBI, so I'd keep a low profile for the next
1: few days. Yeah, well we we can go into more detail about eating the rich on,
0: on next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. The required reading. Das Kapital. Uh, no. no don't, don't do that. Good God. Um, folks, thanks as always for listening. Uh, we do have a pretty consistent, like, 10 to 15 people who tune in more often than not. Uh, I even received a couple texts this week asking when the next episode was. And then it took us a little longer than usual to get to the next episode. So, uh, those of you out there who actually listened, thanks. Uh, please keep listening. Please let us know if there's anything you want to hear. Uh and we'll take yeah. it into account, but we're free people. We're not chained down to public opinion. We don't have to get voted into the all-star game. Uh, <laughs> in this world, we do play the Timberwolves every round of the playoffs. Um, to come full circle on a bad joke I told earlier. <laughs> Either way, subscribe if you want on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else. Uh, Anchor does a great job getting that stuff out there. And we will be back soon. Um, T Bone, give me some last words for the people. Yeah, thanks
1: for listening guys. And uh keep watching, keep listening.
0: Yo, I watched uh Avengers Infinity War the other day again. Pretty good. Yeah. Getting get excited for cool endgame.
1: I'm I'm stoked for part two. Yeah.
0: Thrones is coming April fourteenth. There's gonna be some good competition for the NBA real soon. Yeah. That's how I decided to end the podcast. So thank you everybody, right. and right. we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.